The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. So I was prepared for that emotional time, Joe. (laughs) That was great, giving thanks to our staff and and, uh, the people that serve in this place. Really good and meaningful for me. I hope it was for you. Uh, as our church. Um, so I want to start off my message tonight by just having you hear some phrases and ask you when would you hear, when do you think you would hear some of these phrases? Oh, you shouldn't have. That's too expensive. I really don't deserve that. Why, why would you bother like that? You didn't have to do that. When would you hear those kinds of phrases? It's the holiday season, right, just starting. So isn't it with gift giving and receiving, you would hear those kinds of phrases? You didn't have to do that. Well, I don't deserve this. It's too expensive. expensive. See, but those words, if you think about it, here's what they convey when we think about giving gifts and receiving gifts. We, we kind of view gifts as a business transaction or a, a fair trade or a kind of like a, a balanced deal. We kind of feel when we receive a gift that we're obligated to give a gift back, don't we? I mean, maybe you could admit it to yourself, not out loud, but sometimes when you give a gift, do you wonder what kind of gift you're going to get in, in return? I mean, come on. Do you do that sometimes? There seems to be kind of like a, an unwritten rule in our society in general and even in our sinful human nature that when we give, we, we think we're going to get as well, that we get something, and then if, if we get something, we kind of feel, you know what? I feel indebted. I feel like obligated. I feel like I should reciprocate this gift. I mean, if you ever uh, had a friend or a coworker give you a birthday gift, you know, and you're like, oh man, I didn't give you a birthday gift. You know, you think about that, or extended family member that gives, gives you a gift, and you think, man, that's pretty expensive. I wonder how much I paid for, you know, my gift to them. And we just have that kind of thought in our heads, don't we? Uh, when it re- relates to, to gift giving. I love the way uh, this, this sitcom uh, character, Sheldon Cooper, he puts it really succinctly for all of us from the Big Bang Theory. Here's what he says. Oh, I know you think you're being generous, but the foundation of gift giving is reciprocity. You haven't given me a gift. You've given me a what? An obligation. That kind of hits it right, you know, nail on the head. And here we come, all of us, with that kind of thought and mentality in our head, we come to a Thanksgiving Eve worship service. And let me ask you, in your Thanksgiving Eve services in the past, have you ever come just kind of feeling like, you know what, I feel obliged to thank God for what he's given me. I mean, I, I got to be here. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever thought that way, but I grew up in a church where they were actually called Holy Days of Obligation. And there were like 10 of them, 8 to 10, where, where you were obligated because you owe God. You got to go besides the Sundays to these certain days of obligation to go so you can earn God's grace and his favor. That's how I grew up. Maybe some of you grew up that way too. But that's the kind of way we think about this. And then I think uh, in the scriptures that, that man's way of gift giving and receiving is not God's way. 
Isaiah 55, chapters 8 and 9, God says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. So what we have to do in our Christian walk in faith in our journey is that we have to kind of pull our ways uh, away from that gift-giving mindset of what society and what our sinful human nature brings to us. And we have to think about how does God want us to think about this. And we're going to get in that tonight, but just think about this for a minute. Is there any gift we can give to God that would be reciprocal? I mean, all the things he has done for us, what could we possibly give God? What does he need? He owns it all, doesn't he? And yet we think about this gift giving and just, I think, Thanking God, giving back to God, we kind of turn it upside down and we mix it up. So tonight, what we're going to do is take a look at the scriptures. Open up your Bibles, please. Luke chapter 17 is the portion of scripture we're going to read. And, and God, I hope tonight, would clarify for us the things about gift-giving, receiving, and really thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Okay? Chapter 17 I'm going to read the first three verses and then follow up with 14 through 19, but we're going to go from 11 to 13 for a minute, where Luke writes a story that happened that Jesus uh, has an encounter with 10 lepers. So beginning in verse 11, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. And called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. I'm going to stop there for just a minute so we can clarify this this leprosy and skin disease thing that, that happened in the Old Testament and that continues in Jesus' time. I want you to look up on the screen. Leviticus chapter 13, verses 1 through 3 says it this way. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When anyone has a swelling or rash or a bright spot on his skin that may become an infectious skin disease, he must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons who is a priest. The priest is to examine the sore on his skin, and if the hair in the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, it is an infectious skin disease. When the priest examines him, he shall pronounce him ceremonially unclean. This is Jewish law. Jewish law prohibited anyone from this disease disease to associate with the general community. It was the priest's job, Aaron and his line, to say, kind of be like the doctors, you know, examine and say, no, you're unclean, and you have to be separate so we prevent outbreak of this infection. Those with leprosy then, they're treated like outcasts. And they have to do certain things. They have to wear their hair unkempt. They have to, to um, uh, wear something covering their mouth. And then when somebody gets too close to them, you know, in hearing distance, they have to say, unclean, unclean. Living together in their own community. You see, these ten lepers that are in the scriptures, they're together not out of, like, I want to be your friend, but out of necessity. They needed one another because that's all they had. It was a stigma to have this disease, and so they're together. Now think about it. Do you think about if you had this disease and you looked at another person who had leprosy, and you can just see, man, that's what I look like? 
what's going to be the end for me? I'm going to die alone with just you, nobody else around because we can't go back to our community and it's going to be a painful death. That's leprosy. Now, as I thought about that tonight, I thought about us as Christian people in a church that there's a bit of a connection between all of us. Okay, really by blood because we either come from Shem, Japheth, or Ham from Noah's sons, but, but also a connection in this way. Now, uh, if you're new to the Christian church, you might say, man, these Christians, they got it all together. You know, they're always smiling and everything's joyful and there's nothing wrong, you know. I mean, I don't know if you've, you're new to Christianity, but you think, you look at somebody like, you got it all together, you know. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not a sinner. But if you've been in the church for a long time and established pretty good relationships with one another, here's what I think. First of all, we know better. And when we look at each other, just like the 10 lepers looked at each other, there's this kind of unspoken truth that we're aware of our own sinfulness. And sometimes we're shamed by it, aren't we? I mean, when we gather together and you come to this place, aren't you oftentimes weighed down by the guilt of your sin? I mean, you know how the sin brought misery to you and maybe misery to other people. And we look at each other and we think, you know what? I understand. You're a sinner just like I'm a sinner. And we need to be in this place. And we feel sometimes like outcasts, don't we? Sometimes like we do have leprosy. Sometimes I have to say, unclean, don't come by me today. Uh Uh-uh. I mean, the things, think about it. The things that uh, we know we should have done, we didn't do it, you know. Things we know we ought to do, we, we don't do. Sin is right there. Temptation is right there. And how easy it is for us to say, I'm not going to listen to your word today, God. Right? I know what it says, but I just, I just don't want to listen. And we feel like we're carrying around this disease. And in a sense, we are. Because it's always going to be with us until the day we die, isn't it? So back to our Bibles. Ten lepers, they yell out, have pity on us. And then what does Jesus do? Look at verse 14 through 19. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. They were cleansed. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Verse 17, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So as, as my kids were young and when they were growing up around the, the, the dinner table, my wife would, would say after she worked long and hard, slaved over a hot stove because I don't cook, I sometimes clean up. I used to, but now my kids are big, so they clean up. I don't do anything really. Uh, but when she was, when she was uh, trying to teach them about gratefulness, she would always say, did you ever hear the story of the, the ten leopards? And, and, and leopards. Leopards. <laughs> Did I say that one? And, and leopards. And, and my kids would be, be thinking, and she would ask the question, well, how many of them came back to thank Jesus? One, you know. And, and so she would say that over and over again. And by the time, you know, something happened, and, and the words would come out from, from my wife, did you ever hear the, thank you? You know, they just, 
before she even said the story, they would just say, thank you, because as parents, we're trying to teach gratefulness, and we're trying to tell people to say, thank you, and then well, that's the story. Well, as I got to dig through the scriptures again, because that's the privilege of a pastor, we get to dig a little bit more. I think, sorry, honey, but we were kind of theologically incorrect here, because what this story, not necessarily incorrect, but what this story exemplifies is not really the teaching gratefulness part, but what it does is describe how God gives. And that's what I want you to think about tonight, how God gives No strings attached, no fine print, no equal transactions, no equitable deals. Jesus gives unconditionally, if you look at this story. Jesus knew there were ten. He knew, because he's God, that nine of them are going to not give any kind of thanks. He knew that. He healed all ten without needing anything in return. He knew some of them were going to be unappreciative. I love the way the reformer Martin Luther puts it as he explains the first article of our Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty. He says, what does this mean? I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he's given us a body, a soul, eyes and ears, all of our members, our reason, our senses, and he still takes care of them. He richly and daily provides us with all that we need to support this body and life. How appropriate this Thanksgiving evening as we have an altar that's so beautifully decorated to understand the symbol of our God's provision for all of us. He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. What a list of God's gifts. And then he does this, how? Out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in us. That's what the scripture says. Or that's, what the, that's what the reformer says. See, when God the Father gives, he doesn't see it as this gift exchange where I'm going to give and I'm going to expect something in return. He doesn't see it that way. It isn't a fair trade. There's no deals. But plain and simple, it's a gift. It's undeserved and it's free. Why? Because God loves to give. He's an extravagant giver. You see, tonight and tomorrow, as we celebrate Thanksgiving, it's a great time to kind of understand gratefulness and what it is. That's true. I mean, some people take butcher paper and cover the table, and they have crayons, and they color, and they say, hey, why are we thankful to God? Our family, we have a folder, Thanksgiving folder. We started it in the early 2000s, wherever our first was born. And we're putting the uh, things in. And it's, it is a time where we give thanks to God. And we're more thankful and we're more grateful. That, that's true. But then at the end, it comes down to pretty much the greatest gift of why we're thankful. And I love the scripture, 2 Corinthians nine fifteen. It says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I mean, the greatest gift of all is Jesus. Think about it. A man who lived without sin for 33 years of his life. How many days can you live without sin? How many hours? How many minutes? Yet he did, and he humbled himself to go on a cross and be obedient to his father and said, yes, son, you have to die because you're the perfect sacrifice. But you're not gonna stay dead. You're gonna rise again from the dead to show everyone in the world that this place, this earth, is not the end. There's going to be something more, amen? And we get to live 
and a new heaven and a new earth. And we receive that not because anything good in us, but out of his fatherly, divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in us, including saying thank you back to him, just like these 10 lepers. He gives out his cleansing and his healing to 10 of them. And how many return thanks? How many? One. He didn't require anything from them. One returns thanks. Now, that's the question I have to ask you tonight. What would the world say to Jesus in this instance? Knowing our mentality about gift giving and receiving. What, what, look what you got in return, Jesus. I mean, really? What kind of rate, you know, rate of return or investment are, are you doing? One person? The others didn't even send flowers, a thank you note? Nothing? Jesus is saying, yep. One did. The least we would think the Samaritan, the one that the Jews hated, he gives thanks. Yeah, but this is what God does. He throws out his love and his mercy recklessly, if you will. Just throws it out there and sees what happens. Because he knows giving is risky business. He understands that. And here's the point. The gift of Jesus sometimes, it often goes unappreciated by us. Sometimes we abuse it. Sometimes people just flat out reject it. And yeah, it does go unappreciated. But thanks be to God that Jesus takes the risk to love me. And you. He does. And he sets no conditions. He didn't say, you know what? Before I cleanse you, before I heal you, before I give you faith, let's have a a pre-healing interview. You know? See if you're going to be thankful enough. He doesn't do that at all because he loves to give and he loves to love. And that's who Jesus is. God can't help himself but to love us. He's like a grandpa just giving us gifts all the time, just happy to do that. And we're abundantly blessed, amen? Regardless of what's wrong with you physically or emotionally or spiritually right now, the truth is this. God has blessed you with faith. And maybe you're here for the first time. This is what we as Christians do. And you're not a Christian. The reason we have joy, the reason why you think we have it all together is because we know in the end, this is what Jesus has done for us. And that's why we have church. That's why we have others that we can go to and say, help me repent of this, whatever it is. I'm sorry. And we come and we get forgiveness. And it's unbelievable the kinds of blessings that we have being a Christian. So what's our response to this kind of out-of-the-world gifts that, that, that God's give to us? Do we, do we say this? Oh, you shouldn't have God. I, I, I don't deserve it. Don't, why'd you have to bother? Do we say that? No. We simply say, thank you so much. Just like the Samaritan. Jesus said the Samaritan About the Samaritan, your faith has healed you. Not not just healed you physically, but what, what Jesus is saying is, I healed you not only physically, I made you whole. Spirit, 
mind, and body. And that's what he's done to every one of you that believe in Jesus. He has made you whole. The Samaritan falls at Jesus' feet in a loud voice. He says, thank you. I'm healed. How many of you have ever known a person that had a disease and all of a sudden they go to the doctor, well, you're healed. I don't know how. You're just healed. I mean, what kind of reaction do they have? I mean, it's life transforming, isn't it? Spiritually speaking, we're transformed for life too. That's what Jesus has done. By his death and resurrection, he has transformed our lives. Am I still a sinner until the day I die? Yes. But the blood of Jesus has covered over my sin. So here it is. Giving thanks is purely our simple response in faith. We say, thank you, God. You've healed me. You've cleansed me. You've forgiven me. You've saved me. And so we're thankful. We get to go home in peace and joy and have a happy Thanksgiving. Amen? God bless you.